Booster is excited to support DIA Schools Collaborative on furthering the missions of our respective organizations through Follow to Lead podcast and other DIA programming. Visit ChooseBooster.com for details on Booster's school fundraising events, technology, and customized spirit gear. Booster can help your Catholic school meet and exceed its fundraising goals. Learn more today. Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Christ the Teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your voice calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the truth, beauty, and goodness only you can offer. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Follow to Lead, a journey twice a month into the world of Catholic education, exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to Him. I'm Father Randy Sly, your host, and today we have the joy of having my co-host, Kyle Pietrantonio, back with us. And so you may remember, of course, Kyle is a familiar voice to us. He is the executive director of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative, as well as serving as uh, a partner in the School of Leadership Search Solutions practice for Partners in Mission. And previously, he was head of school at Holy Spirit Preparatory School, or Preparatory School, whichever you prefer, in Atlanta, Georgia. He's also experienced as a school principal and teacher in Catholic schools, was a founding board member of Cristo Rey in Atlanta Jesuit High School and also currently serves as vice chair of the Ignatian House Board of Directors. Kyle graduated from Georgetown University with his bachelor's degree in arts. He has also been an alumnus of the University of Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education program with a master's in education in secondary education, and also completed doctoral studies at Catholic University of America in educational leadership and policy. Well, Kyle, you're, you're a familiar voice to our audience when you're able to co-host. And it was about a year ago now that I actually turned the tables and interviewed you as the executive director. And that's what I wanted to do again today. So welcome back to the program. Well, great to be with you, Father Andy. And you know, thanks for all the work you're doing on Follow to Lead and the inspiration it's providing to all those part of DIA and the schools as well. So great to, great to be on the other side of the table with you. It's wonderful to get back again in touch with each other. And, you know, I was looking the other day at the syndication of our podcast. We are now officially an international podcast. We're being picked up in other countries by individuals. So we're no longer just national. We've moved to the international market which is really wonderful. Well, that's you know wonderful. that, that's that it, it is. It's, a, it's great news. And I wanted you to kind of give us an update on the amazing developments in DIA 
And the last time you were on, you shared a bit of your background and everything, but just in order to catch everybody up and for those that did not listen to last year's broadcast, kind of tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Sure. Well, just to to start on the upbringing side, I grew up in a small Catholic family in central Connecticut, just outside of Hartford. And my parents were both raised in the church. They went to the same Catholic high school my brother and I attended. They were high school sweethearts there. And my brother and I were really blessed to have a a really strong Catholic education and, and formation and graduated from Catholic high school. And I was discerning where God was calling me to pursue higher ed and ultimately decided upon Georgetown University, which is a very strong Jesuit college and institution of higher ed. And I shared at a conference this past week briefly about my higher ed experience, because I know that there are schools in the Catholic milieu of higher ed that get a bad rap about how they're forming Catholic students. And Georgetown, unfortunately, happens to be among them. I will say that uh, it's it's at Georgetown that I formed a personal relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time. So that's a little bit ironic growing up in a, a, a strong Catholic family with access to Catholic schools from elementary through high school. But this goes to a little bit of what we were talking about before our recorded interview today, Father Randy, is I had an amazing mentorship experience with a number of of priests while I was in college at Georgetown. And it was, yes. I think it was there that you also had a, a mentorship relationship with a dear friend of mine too, Father Dennis McManus. Yes, and he is certainly high among the mentors that I had while at Georgetown, who, I mean, I get kind of goosebumps talking about some of of the really privileged learning and mentorship I had in college. I mean, it's not an inexpensive university, but I've remained very active as an alum of Georgetown because... I really had a transformational experience, not just intellectually at Georgetown, but spiritually. Mm -hmm. And and so I just share that because that was a, a really pivotal moment for me in my young adult faith journey. And then ultimately, by the time I was a senior there, I was looking to where God was calling me in this next next chapter. And I had some kind of profound experiences my senior year that led me to seek out opportunities where I was serving the church in a more intentional way. And I wanted to to accomplish three things in my 20s. I wanted to pursue advanced education and a graduate degree. I wanted to try my hand at teaching full time. This was something I did in inner city DC while I was an undergrad is tutored and taught in some really challenging DC neighborhoods and schools. And I wanted to commit to at least one year of intentional service, whether domestically or abroad. And And by the grace of God, I stumbled upon a program I had not heard of, but there was an advertisement in our student union at Georgetown that was nearly mossed up by other ads from everything from futons to the coffee shop. And and it said, tired of getting homework, try giving some. And it had the University of Notre Dame ND logo, and then the Alliance for Catholic Education logo with the website ace.nd.edu. And out of, you know, multiple bulletin boards in the main hallway of the student union, that one just 
with like a lightning bolt when I, I saw it. And I couldn't wait to rush back to my room, put in the web address on my computer and learn what this program was all about. And it was, you know, through that research that I thought, wow, <laughs> this is a weaving together of, of three things I wanted to achieve in this next chapter of my life. Intentional service for two years, teaching full-time, and pursuing a graduate degree, which if you're accepted into the ACE program at the University of Notre Dame is fully funded, which would be a great gift. So I applied and, you know, went through a discernment because I was, you know, in a, in a serious relationship in my senior year of, of college and knew that this was going to perhaps take me somewhere beyond what I was comfortable with or, or knew, but really trusted in God and ultimately got in, found out March of my senior year that I was accepted program in simple terms places those accepted and their undergraduate backgrounds with a matching component of schools and dioceses that the University of Notre Dame has built relationships with and places you at those schools to serve for two years. And so I was placed in Mobile, Alabama at a, at a really beautiful downtown, historically black school teaching religion and social studies and history for their middle school. I did that for two years and again, had a very transformational experience and felt really called to minister in Catholic schools and Catholic education and landed in Atlanta where I, you know, continued my teaching career and then some doors of opportunity to get into school leadership opened rather quickly for me. And I pursued those and was at a school for 17 years. Wow. Holy Spirit prep, as you mentioned in the introduction, and it's the school that I believe vehemently in what it's doing for for not just students but for faculty who are a part of that community for families who are a part of that community for alum who are a part of that community it's it's a really special school and we became a, a founding member of of what is now dia with other schools apart in in other parts of the country that were really committed to this paradigm shift of what a robust evangelizing Catholic school ought to do for the church in this day, in this challenging day and age. I remember the first time I met you was at a DIA summit, a conference at St. James Academy here in Kansas City, and you were speaking about your experience at Holy Spirit Prep as a school as parish. Mm-hmm. And I remember what that did to me. It just kind of, again, it was a part of those first, I guess, ignitions in my heart concerning DIA. If that's the kind of perspective that Duke and Ultim schools are going to have, this is really wonderful because it does, it extends to the families, it extends to the students, it extends to the, the faculty administration, the whole thing. Yes. I mean, when a school, as our, as the name Duke and Ultimate implies, like casts out into the deep in this way and takes the plunge, mm -hmm. it is a very powerful witness to what I think our church should be about. And, and that's the formation evangelization of, of all who touch our church. And as you know, you know, Father Randy, there's growing disaffiliation with organized religion, with the Catholic Church in, in particular, for a variety of, of reasons. But we have such a unique and pregnant opportunity, I like to say, with the mm -hmm. vehicle of our Catholic schools. Because while, you know, families might not be in the pews as regularly or at all as, as a, a couple generations ago, 
they're 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 in our schools. And while we have all of those groups connected to our school, how are we reaching to them in an yeah, evangelizing yeah. way, knowing that everyone's in a different part of their faith journey? But if it becomes an intentional co component of, of how your school is allocating time and resources, I've seen it produce miracles. And, and that's really why DIA was formed is to share that model with other schools that are and leaders. It really is all about the leader wanting to take that leap of faith as a school. And unfortunately, I've seen a lot of schools all over the country. And unfortunately, there's a lot of mediocre Catholic schools that have a crucifix on the wall or a dusty chapel, chapel that few use, maybe not some nice school uniforms. It has the patina of our church, but it ha doesn't have the heart of our church. Mm -hmm. And what DI is trying to do is tap into those leaders and say, as a leader now, where the church is in our country, the call is big and we have resources to support you because it's not easy work, but we believe it's mission critical to the church in our country. Absolutely. As a priest and pastor and, of course, former president, one of the things that really uh, still astounds me is how many of our students experience the all-school mass as their main mass of the week. That's that's where they are not with us on Sunday. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and and how, how can you, and, and we've seen this, Father Randy, in our respective schools where you know, sometimes the road to evangelization of, of our parents, because parents, particularly in an elementary environment, are really mission critical to the formation of their own children. But we've seen wonderful ways in which, you know, our students are helping evangelize their own parents and challenging mm -hmm. them in a beautiful way, encouraging them, us providing prompts at, at dinner conversations or ways to invite the parents into mass at the school or adoration. So many wonderful things that, that our schools can provide show the truth, goodness, and beauty of, mm -hmm. of our church and do it in a very welcoming way that right. you let God's spirit work in you. We just need to provide the forum and the opportunities to let God's grace into those conversations and to those journeys of, of our parents, of our families, and, and in many cases, our faculty too. Now you're in your second year as the executive director for IA. And I know that, you know, Duke and Alta means put out into the deep. And in a sense, personally, mm -hmm. that's what you had to do when you were invited to become the executive director is to kind of move into becoming the head of an organization that had not yet really defined itself. And so the last two years have been ones of, I guess, times of defining, refining who DIA is, what the mission is truly that is going to be formed. Because before that, it was a, a loose consortium of mm -hmm. a few schools that were collaborating, but now it's a member organization that has amazing potential and a lot of momentum. Can you give me one personal highlight from the past two years of, of what you experienced as you became the executive director? It's a good question. I would say, I mean, no singular highlight stands out, Father Randy, but 
in terms of a theme that has happened over the last two years, it really very much was a leap of faith for me personally and professionally to, as you said, cast out in the deep myself and take the the, the reins as executive director of, of DIA. It was an organization I felt and still do feel extremely passionate about. And when the board asked if I would kind of blueprint a strategic plan for the organization that could kind of chart our evolution as as a, an apostle. You know, I relished in that opportunity and, you know, presented some ideas of, of what we could do as an organization to continue to our momentum. And I would say the the kind of motif over the last two years has just been a lot of affirmation from people who have plugged into the work of DIA or supported it philanthrop philanthropically about how needed our work is, or in the, in the experience of some of our schools, leaders, you know, and chaplains or campus ministers, what a saving grace this organization has been as they've gotten more and more involved. You know, the, the, the school leaders who were around the table back in Denver in 2014, when we were originally thinking about what this group could do and look like, you know, now, you know, roughly, you know, eight years into it, I mean, we were sharing at our most recent board meeting, what amazing friendships and fellowship we have, this has, this has brought into our own lives personally and professionally, that without DIA, you know, not only would we not be able to elevate and grow our schools by rubbing shoulders with one another and challenging one another on some really, really big issues that are facing our schools, but personally, Right. In our own development and, and faith life, the, the blessing that this network has been to each of us has just been a, a great grace and gift. And I think as more leaders are plugging in and getting to know one another in this membership model, Father Randy, we're seeing that same fruit. And so, I mean, that's been the great affirmation for me is... Mm -hmm us like, all right, we've experienced this. We've seen the fruit that it has borne at our schools. We're sharing it. And now that's going into other corners of our country and schools and having similar benefit. So that's all that's bottom line, why we're doing this. I mean, we don't have any personal ego. The reward is the earthly rewards are, are not great, but, but we feel so committed to this idea of rechurching our church through this organization that that's, mm -hmm. that's the gift. That's the remuneration for us. The wonderful thing for me, when I attended the very first conference, I think I may have told you that after the first workshop, I came up to Andy Talicki from St. James and I said, where do I sign up? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, there's no membership. <laughs> and I said, there should be, because this is exactly what I need. I need to be with people like this. And yes. it was, I think it's that kind of, you know, there's this synergy that seems to happen when you get together with others that are like-hearted as well as like-minded. And I think it can have great effect on Catholic education universally. Yeah. And thank you, Father Randy, for asking that question, because that was a little bit of the spark that, that we needed to begin thinking about how do we scale the work of, of DIA. And that, you know, we began surveying after our annual event in October, and we started seeing that refrain appear. And we're like, all right, there's a market for what we're doing yeah. and, and perhaps a vehicle by which we can 
we can grow our reach. And so, yeah, it's been a neat journey. You know, I shared with you earlier, and I'll mention now that in uh, coming out of our most recent board meeting, this idea of of extending DIA to individuals who mm-hmm. want to join. So, you know, uh, for the last two years, it's been a school level or diocesan level membership. And we realized that not every school leader or school wants to take that plunge right away, but there might be someone else on their team. It could be a, a, a teacher, it could be a director of campus ministry or a chaplain who wants to avail themselves of the resources and network and collaboration of DIA. And we ought to find a vehicle by which we can extend that those services and resources to an individual in a school. And it could be a, a great way for us to continue to grow our reach, but also perhaps for that individual to share more with their school leader about what DIA is providing them and perhaps in the end, get the school plugged in more holistically into the work of, of DIA. Oh, I think that's a a wonderful dynamic to add to school membership because there are maybe schools that don't have a vision, but yet the the campus minister or a member of the administration really sees or a teacher just sees this as a place where they can receive what they need. And then as they begin to feed through it, yeah, it can have a catalytic effect. Can you give us kind of a, a report by the numbers of where Duke and Altum is right now? Sure. You know, we now have had, you know, members and 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 folks who have plugged into our, our work in excess of, of 3000 all over the country. I think we're, we're in over, you know, 37 states. And in terms of members over the last two years, we started maybe between 15 and 20, and we hope to to eclipse 30 this coming year. And And it's a diverse tapestry of schools, which I, I like to share. We've got large and small schools. We have diocesan and ordered sponsored or independent Catholic schools, co-ed and single sex, and elementary and secondary, although we do lean a bit more secondary. We also have K-12 configured schools that are members. So it's that diversity of school type really enriches a lot of the discussion and Mm -hmm. programming that DIA has offered, and I'm really grateful for that. The thread that ties all of those schools together and those that have plugged into our work is a commitment on the part of that school leader to be a really evangelizing arm and and force in their school. And so these are are truly some dynamic individuals. And and I think that that's great fuel for our organization is, is just rubbing shoulders and matching wits with other people, like you said, Father Andy, who have kind of mm-hmm. this congruent vision for what Catholic schools could do right now for, for our church. Well, it's amazing to think back over the last two years and the various facets and dimensions of Duke and Ultim that have come into play. For example, the fellowships that you've established, the summits, the connections with Napa Institute. Can you just share some of the highlights from the last couple of years, just a little view of things that the, that DIA has done? Sure. Three immediately come to mind, perhaps four, because you mentioned the fellowship, which has been a really neat, edifying experience for me as the executive director who has facilitated that program the last two years. So, you know, first, Father Randy, is the podcast. You know, when you and I were thinking about ways that we could, you know, grow the market and and share about the work of DIA, again, it was, I think, a very providential uh moment where, you know, you and your career in radio before becoming a priest and your passion for DIA and 
now doing wonderful jobs interviewing some just awesome guests and hearing the work that, that they're doing for our church and, and schools. That has been awesome. I readily look forward to the first and third Fridays when the episodes typically come out and really excited about the guest list that I think we'll have for this coming academic yeah. year. So that's been a highlight for sure. And when I'm able to co-host with you, I've really relished that, that opportunity. And then the fellowship has been a really neat kind of grassroots movement where we felt we have certainly a pipeline challenge in our, in our Catholic schools for evangelizing leaders. And as I kind of brainstormed, well, what, what can we do given our resources to begin, you know, building folks up at, at our DIA schools to not necessarily consider school leadership, although some who have gone through our fellowship are considering school leadership, but strengthening the Catholic culture in the school in the capacity that they are already serving that school and providing a framework to incubate a program or project over the course of call it nine months and being able to implement and deliver that incubated program or project that will elevate the Catholic culture or evangelization efforts at, at their school. And then to build a mini collaborative network of these fellows who are in different capacities at different schools around the country, but building their own support network and peer group by which they're soundboarding and, and refining their idea. And then also having a mentorship component where a seasoned Catholic school administrator from one of our DI schools, again, another person that is uh, shoulder to shoulder with these fellows who uh, by the end of it become really good friends in many cases with their fellow. And that has been so rewarding to be a part of that journey with that group and see what the work they're doing and committed to. That has been wind in my sails to be a, a, a facilitator in that in that fellowship program. And then the last two quick things I'll mention, you know, Father Randy, is you know we began as a volunteer board eight years ago with DIA, and we said we got to start somewhere. What could each of us kind of commit to doing, in addition to pouring a lot of time into our own schools, where we could kind of get DIA moving? And we all kind of agreed that some tentpole event that we could leverage the campus of one of our DIA schools to help keep costs down for attendance, but also to leverage the resources and wisdom of some of the dynamic colleagues at that school to present on certain topics related to our mission. You know, that has just exploded. I mean, we were at Nashville last October at St. Cecilia's Academy, one of our member schools. And, you know, it, it just was an amazing two and a half day summit experience. We invited Bishop Thomas Daly, who's the current committee chair for the Committee on Catholic Education for the USCCB to celebrate our opening mass of that summit and then deliver the, the dinner keynote the first night. And he ended up staying the whole second day, not originally intending to, but he was so awed um, and inspired by what this group has been putting together and putting on and, you know, readily agreed when I asked him before he got in the car to get to the airport, if he would serve on our advisory board. And he said, 
no question asked, done. This is exactly what our Catholic schools and our Catholic school leadership teams and, and chaplains need. This is the resource uh, that's going to move the needle. So, you know, that that event has really gained a lot of steam. And we're planning for an amazing one, October 19th to the 21st at J. Sarah High School in beautiful San Juan Capistrano, California. And w we've got a great program. You can learn more about that on our website as, as our speakers are committing. And we're just really jazzed about about this year's summit. The last time we hosted out there, it was phenomenal. I think it's going to be our best yet. This will be our eighth annual summit. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful campus. They've got wonderful space. So it's going to be a great setup for us. We also partnered with Modern Catholic Pilgrim this past year, and they've agreed to do kind of an addendum to our summit, a pilgrimage experience to some of the holy sites and missions in Southern California, which we're mm -hmm. just thrilled by. So people who want to extend through the weekend, their trip or their experience can have that opportunity, which we're, we're hoping many will take advantage of. And perhaps you want to have a spouse join you or family, and, and this will be a neat, really neat way to come together. And then I would say the last piece is fresh on my mind has just been our partnership with the Napa Institute. We just came off sponsoring, being a sponsor of, of the Napa Institute this, this past week at the end of July. And we sponsored a couple of breakout sessions on Catholic education, you know, one of which Bishop Cousins did for us. And it was all about Catholic schools and creating a culture of encounter. And it was standing room only. It was awesome. And, and the the network and the, the relationships that audience of 800 plus people out at Napa each year has just been a, a great vehicle for for DIA and our growth so that was a, a real blessing and I think we'll continue to plug in to Napa they've been great supporters of DIA so well, it's it's wonderful that we have that kind of a relationship with Napa and I know that uh, with the summit coming up that is one thing that I want people to really hook into and look in the website for updates of, of what's going to be happening with the summit out in California. Now, are, are there plans to perhaps to have some of the sessions, especially the plenary sessions at the summit recorded for use by those members that aren't able to be there? Yes, we are seriously looking into that. You know, Father Randy, we have experience doing this in recent summits, you know, obviously in 2020, we were completely virtual summit. And, and so we know that there's an expectation going forward to creating some type of hybrid approach to these conferences. And so my hope is at least the plenary sessions will be recorded. I've gotten that question from others who can't make it this year for various and sundry reasons. And we also know with inflation and, and gas prices, flight prices, hotel prices going up that we ought to we ought to provide some way for folks to tap into at least a portion of the summit experience from the comfort of their their school or their their home so so we are looking into what those options are for sure yes i know that plane travel for example is almost doubled yes. and so it when you look at the budgets that schools have for you know extracurricular activities for their teachers and continuing education it's it's sometimes tough for them to to do that. I also like the fact that the summit keeps moving so that mm -hmm. if you can't go to California, maybe Washington will work. That kind exactly. of Exactly. We've we've been very intentional about rotating the summit around the country, kind of going Midwest, West Coast, East Coast, kind of in a rhythm in the hopes that 
you know, the message and mission of DIA can reach other markets and other Catholic schools and, and dioceses. So we're sticking to that. We always reveal the location of the following year's summit at uh, the summit that we're at. So I'll give a, a, a sneak peek that we're likely going to be in Washington, D.C., in our nation's capital, on the campus of Catholic University of America for Summit 2023. So we're hopeful that that will, will work out. I think that's going to be a wonderful location. DIA has, has established some great higher ed partners over the past several years, CUA among them, Franciscan, Benedictine, University of Mary. So, and there's a desire as we were talking at our board meeting about bridging into higher ed for a summit location that our Catholic school presidents and those even teachers it behooves them to know of some of the great players in the Catholic higher ed space right now. Uh, right. As they're mentoring and and chatting with our, our Catholic high school students about their next chapter and that, advising them, I think this is going to be a neat kind of unintentional consequence of, of having our summit every few years, perhaps at a Catholic college or university where those leaders as a fringe benefit can get some of that experience of being on that college mm -hmm. campus and meeting with someone. So we're excited about this possibility of being in D.C. in 2023. And what else is on the horizon for Duke and Alton? What do you see going on in the next few years that might be a part of the new and the future for the organization? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things, Father Randy, that and, and we, we piloted some of this with, with some schools this past year is consulting around evangelization efforts in a school or a Catholic culture and being able to leverage some of our practitioners in our schools on a contract basis to come in and depending on the scope or need of, of a diocese, whether it's a, a faculty formation program or just some some recommendations as part of a, a broader strategic plan, if strengthening Catholic culture and identity is, I mean, I think we all ought to be looking at this continuously as a leader is is how are we doing in that domain but if they want specific recommendations from schools or people that are doing that well being able to actually be boots on the ground with that school for a period of time in that type of engagement and leveraging the resources of, of a school and our network and best practices so that a school can truly implement and help progress monitor the growth of, of that arm and dimension of, of their Catholic school. So that's really kind of top of mind right now and, and on our radar is, is how we could build a framework to you know, scale into that. Like I said, we piloted some of this with one of our schools this past school year. And and so that's that's kind of on the near horizon, I think, is is helping Catholic schools and dioceses in that regard. Well let me let me just shift a little bit in in terms of where we're heading with some of our conversation. And that is out of what you've experienced in the last couple of years with DIA, what you're experiencing also with your consulting work for partners and mission. What do you see going on? What are some of the the significant challenges that you see facing Catholic schools today? It's a great question. And there are many challenges, certainly facing K-12 Catholic schools. There's definitely a leadership challenge. The, the, the market is narrowing every year. We're seeing more and more folks downshift out of leadership. You know, we, we, we saw people get burned out during the pandemic mm -hmm. and either retiring early out of, out of Catholic school leadership 
or going into a role outside of being the leader of the school, perhaps an advancement director or an admission director or some other secondary role that provides a little bit more balance in their life. Because the other complexity and challenge is the job is getting harder each year. Mm. As, as the growing secular waves of our culture continue to crash against our church and our Catholic schools, um, it, it requires in, in a deep interior and spiritual life on the part of the leader to combat that. And depending on the season of life that the leader is in, it's a big task. It's a big job. And the support of the local ordinary uh, needs to be very strong. If it's a diocesan school in terms of mission and Catholic culture, the support, if it's a governing board, the support of the governing board and the training of that governing board on mm -hmm. what it means to be a Catholic school, authentically Catholic today. So so there are a whole host of challenges. I mean, we're seeing under-enrolled teacher education programs, under-enrolled school leadership programs. You know, this is not going to bode well going forward. And and we're seeing unbelievable interest on the retained leadership search because a passive approach to finding school leadership is a disaster in many cases. So those schools that are building in internal succession plans are that's a very prudent and wise move, even though it would hurt kind of the school retained leadership search business. But there's so much demand right now because there's it's it's a buyer's market. If you're a school leader you've got a lot of choice in the market in the type of school that you want to lead because there's there's just a dearth and and I don't see that shifting in the in the near future mm -hmm. and so this is a really really large challenge and the schools are grow you know some schools are growing more complex and so we're seeing some different experiments with different leadership mm -hmm. models so we'll see what bear what fruit those might bear and and see if there's other leadership paradigms that that could help so and of course, you know, fundraising, the, these schools are, are tuition driven, right? And there's a lot more choice in the market for parents these days. And, and I mentioned the growing disaffiliation earlier. So if you're not really standing by your Catholic mission as a school, as your chief differentiator, good luck, mm -hmm. because the, the government schools and their budgets are going to continue to balloon and, and, and grow. And they're going to continue to have more bells and whistles. So you don't try to compete against that market. The charter school movement is is the same way, right? And so, and then you have many independent schools, many of of which are growing very progressive, as a lot of as a lot of of higher ed has gone. And, and some of those families are are saying this is too much, and they're looking for a more conservative, orthodox model it might not they might not be catholic and we're seeing in our dia school growth from people who are scared off by how woke and progressive some of the independent schools have gone mm -hmm. uh, the non-sectarian independent schools and and they're saying whoa 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 so yes huge challenges on the on the leadership front i think we're going to need to see, see more and more ideas you know on on how do we form leaders grow leaders support leaders as as well <laughs> It sounds to me like that is a, you know, a perfect storm for needing to be involved in a collaborative because you, it, you can't Definitely. be an island to yourself and really navigate all of this. 
Exactly. And and probably had I not had DIA myself when I was leading Holy Spirit Prep, I had a seven-year tenure as as head, which right now is a little bit above average. You know, right now the average tenure of an independent school leader in the US is is five to six years. Right. And as you know, it's tough. If you have a culture shift, that tide is tough to move in fewer mm-hmm. than five years, depending right. on you know how much culture work you need to do. So it becomes this this revolving door and you can't get traction. But had I not had the support of DIA and other peers across the country that I could be very vulnerable with and share and bounce ideas and and challenges off, I wouldn't have lasted seven years. There's no way. Mm -hmm. And and so, yes, I do think that DIA is providing a, a, a safe harbor and a buoy of support for our Catholic school leaders where the challenges are growing immensely. And, and that's, that's key. That's a very key part of, of why DIA exists. Well, we could keep on going, Kyle. This has really been such a rich conversation. And, you know, I think that, that DIA as a, a collaborative can be a, an amazing resource, even especially perhaps for those administrators that are on the bubble. They're, they're trying to figure out, do I stay or do I just throw up my hands and walk away? And I think to know that there are others in the trenches that I can call upon is such a wonderful resource in this day and age. Anyway, thanks so much for being with us today. This has been great to just get caught up on what's going on with Duke and Ultim Schools Collaborative and what's going on with you and as the executive director. And so for those that want to get to know more about IA, where do they go? Sure. Our website is diaschools.org, and you can find a whole host of information on our website. We're active on many social media channels, including LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Those handles are also on our website, and we would love to have you, you know, follow us, plug in, you know, sign up to receive some information on our website. And we have a great podcast called Follow to Lead, <laughs> hosted by Father Randy Sly, and that's another great way to kind of hear more about the great work happening with DIA and our partners and those involved in the ministry of many of our schools too. Well, Kyle, thank you again. Kyle Pietrantonio, the executive director of Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. What a delight to, to be together for this, for this great broadcast. And uh, if you haven't already done so for our audience, would you please subscribe to the podcast and then leave a comment to encourage us on our future programming. And we also want to thank our production assistant, Alex Shire, for his work on this and every podcast. May Almighty God bless you. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.